0: Welcome to our annual Best Books episode with my dear friend, Carla Jean Whitley. This is our third year in a row doing this, and it just gets better every year. Quick programming note, while our Candace Bushnell episode has already come out, my interview with Rebecca Wells has been postponed as, thankfully for all of us, she is deep in writing mode, so stay tuned for that down the line. That will make sense when you listen to this episode. And without further ado, let's hear from the lovely Carla Jean. Don't forget to find her on Goodreads to see all that she's been reading and to share what you've been reading too. Welcome back to the show to my dear friend, Carla Jean Whitley. It is our third year doing this, by the way, third
1: annual episode. And it is one of my favorite year and traditions. I mean, what better use of our time and then to sit around with a dear friend talking about books. Yeah, I can't think of,
0: well, actually I can think of one. And that's something that we did together this year. We saw Beyonce together this year in concert. (laughs) That's the only thing that was, that was probably one of the high, not probably, definitely one of the highlights of my 2023, which listeners know, and Carla Jean, you certainly know has not been my favorite year. I'm kind of ready for it to end, but you helped me through that personal crisis this year and are still helping me through it. And I'm telling you what a year 2023 was, but I want to know, you know, I asked you this last year. How was your 2023 in general, not just from a book's perspective, but how was your 2023?
1: So I, we've talked before about keeping track of what we've read. And I don't do that necessarily for the, you know, whiz-bang impressive stats, but because what I've read often, it tells me something about how my year has been. Mm. This year has been okay. Just okay. And that's just okay. You know, as I was preparing for tonight, going back through what I've read this year, um, you know, it took me on a little bit of an emotional journey, remembering things like when my kitchen flooded in April, and I was displaced for a total of about three weeks. Yeah. Um, because I saw, oh yeah, that's what I was reading when that happened. Mm -hmm. But I also thought about, you know, some great moments, just getting lost in a book in the park closest to my home. Mm -hmm. That is one of my favorite things to do on my birthday. I'll go to the bookstore, then I'll go hang my hammock in the park and read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But you know, my mom moved to town this year and having my mom close by is a huge gift. So there have definitely been Highs and lows, but on the whole, it was okay. Not the best. I'll not take worse. I will take. I will
0: take okay. At this point, I am. I am so. I've. I've said this to you before. I aspire to be the boring friend who at dinners and coffees is like, I have nothing to say. That has not
1: been my story this year, as you, as you well know. I don't think you'll ever be the boring friend, even if everything is <laughs> steady. That's just not who you are.
0: Well, at least not such an emotional roller coaster, please, 2024. I would love that for you. Thank you. So you and I have both talked a lot, especially in the last few weeks, about how 2023, and you mentioned it a minute ago, was a down year for us as
1: far as reading. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean for you? So... Part of that is just quantifiable, right? 2020 was one of my best reading years. And that was the first year that I've tracked Mm -hmm. when I've hit 150 books in a year. Um, And 2023, we're recording in early December and I'm at 50 books for the year. So a full third of what I read in 2020. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not just about the quantity. I, I noticed if I'm reading a absurd number of books that tells me, you know, not all it's not all good stuff, right? Because twenty twenty was a year of a lot of isolation. I mm-hmm. was we took a vacation when I read a book a day, which okay. As training you said as an example of like, wow, things in twenty twenty were tough. I read a book a day on vacation. That's not actually a good example. That's pretty it's, um, it's amazing to me. <laughs> that's that's called heaven. Yeah. But it was a very different year. While I had actually a pretty great 2020, um, seeing that number does tell part of the story of what was happening that year. My reading being down it usually means that I am experiencing, you know, something different as well. This year has been, you know, exhausting. I've had a lot of different projects going on, and do you ever? find that you're just like so mentally tapped out that you don't have space for reading and you just turn on the tv
0: instead that has been my entire 2023 that's why this year has been such a down year for me with
1: books exactly and it look no shade on tv I think different art forms different value whatever um some people relate to tv much more than they do books I think there's some beauty in both of them not here for that debate but I know what it tells me about myself. And when I am just like so exhausted that all I can do is flip on a TV show, I'm not in the very best place. Like I said, this has not been a terrible year either, but Mm -hmm. I have, instead of reading a lot of great new books, and I've also just read, I don't know, some of the books that I was really excited about this year turned out to be about as okay as my year, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was pretty like middle of the road in a lot of ways. So I found myself turning often to rereading books that I've loved before. Mm -hmm. And that gives me a little bit of a pick me up when I am otherwise a little down on my reading and need a little bit of a mental break.
0: I'm actually doing that right now. So Okay. Spoiler alert listeners. This is so exciting, but we've booked Rebecca Wells and Candace Bushnell on the show, which is like insanely cool. Those are two of my favorite fiction writers of all time. And so I'm reading both of their entire collections right now to prepare for those interviews. And so I'm re- I'm on the fourth of four, Rebecca Wells. Have you read Rebecca Wells? Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, Little Altars Everywhere. Are you familiar? Hold on. Let me, let me consult my Goodreads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you would I remember like, this book. This, now this is a book from the Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood is from the 90s. So it's no, I mean, not definitely
1: a, not a new I've book. definitely, no, I've definitely heard of them. I'm just not sure if I've actually read them. And then no, do not say you think I would remember because you don't know. Part of why I use good reads so religiously is to keep track <laughs> of things because I've gotten two thirds of the way through so many books and been like, oh, I've read yeah. this before. Well, I don't so think I have read any Rebecca Wells, though. I
0: highly recommend, and I I, I say this to you all the time, Carla Jean, but and obviously, listeners, you know, too, fiction, fiction is going to be becoming my new norm, and I'll share about that at some point. Why? But Rebecca Wells and Candace Bushnell are probably two of about 10 fiction writers that. Are non negotiables for me, meaning that if they have a new book coming out, I'm going to get it the day it comes out and I'm probably going to read it the day it comes out. Now, Rebecca Wells has four books from the last 30 years and she, I don't think she's written one since 2009, but um, it's so good. I've, I used to read and I i stopped for a couple of years, but Divine Secrets of the IOS is has heard every summer since I was 12, since the summer of 1999. And it's just, and so anyway, all of it to say I'm reading all of, I I haven't fully started on Bushnell's collection yet, but I'm at the end of the Wells collection and it's just so good to be back with those characters again. It feels like
1: like visiting old friends, you know? That, I love that feeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think it is really restorative in some ways to return to a story that is so comforting. Yeah. One time a friend of mine, um, we were talking about rewatching TV shows and he said, you know, I associate that behavior with anxiety and you don't seem like a really anxious person. And let me tell you, I laughed so hard. <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever,
0: I mean, I guess I, okay, this is embarrassing. This is when I'm really stressed is when I binge watch keeping up with the Kardashians. That is my total escape show or, or sex in the city, I guess. But, um, other than that, I've never rewatched a TV show that I could think of.
1: I, I have so. watched, I've watched The Good Place five you or seven times show. through. Yeah. And it ended in 2020. Did it end in 2020? And I've been, I've watched the whole series like five to seven times. Wow. Um, That's I used so to do that yet. with it's friends. Like- Well, yeah. Get it off your list. Go watch it. Why are we talking? Let's hang up right now. Okay. Well, not
0: quite yet. I want to give the people what they came for. So as I said, this is our third annual best books of the year episode. You know, the drill by now listeners and Carla Jean, but I would like to know your, again, five is an arbitrary number five favorite books of the year. I cannot think of anyone I know who has better book recommendations than you. And As for me, I'm not going to be contributing. I'm just going to be asking the questions this episode because other than this um, Rebecca Wells four book series that I'm reading right now, I truly read nothing this year that was not a part of the show, and all of those books were great, but I need to get back to a place where I'm reading for fun again and not for work, but that's a whole other podcast, and that's a 2024 goal, so you have the floor, my friend. I know you said before we started recording that you are bringing us some fiction. You're bringing us some nonfiction, and then you're going to bring us some rereads, so hit us with it. Take the floor. Do you want to start with fiction?
1: Sure, and actually I have a list of 15 books. Oh my gosh, uh, um, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So Let's I won't do dwell thing. on all of them, but one of my top fiction, and I am going to talk about rereads separately, but okay. one of my top novels that I read this year was I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. And you know, Rachel, I know you're not a huge fiction reader, but I would love for you to pick this one up. Okay. it is a really like quick and kind of juicy in a way novel but it also has some real depth to it and I think that's a really tricky line to walk so Rebecca Mackay is the author of the Pulitzer Prize finalist The Great Believers which I actually read in 2020 it's a great novel
0: mm-hmm.
1: I won't go down that um, rabbit hole right now but Anyway, so this novel, I have some questions for you, is a little bit different than what I've read from her before. The main character is Bodie Kane, and she is a film professor and a podcaster. She it has been asked to go back to the boarding school where she went to high school and teach a sort of like a Jan term type class, like a shorter abbreviated um, class focusing on podcasting. The thing is that while she was in school, one of Bodie's roommates was murdered. And Mm -hmm. this becomes the topic of one of her students' podcasts. So it kind of like is like a cold case, you know, true crime type novel. You know, the true crime in this case is what the characters are experiencing. Mm -hmm. It's not actual true crime. Um, and it digs into our obsession with those types of stories. It digs into who tells those stories and a lot of the nuance around that. Um, and then of course, you know, there's a mystery at the heart of it because Bodhi is convinced that the person who was convicted for her roommate's murder was not actually the murderer. So it is a really juicy an honestly fast read despite being 438 pages Mm -hmm. decent sized book um I really enjoyed spending time in this fictional world and you know sort of grappling with the ideas around true crime and these podcasts and our obsession with it
0: I love true crime I like, so I, I have a true crime app. Ep- I don't know if you listened to the episode where I interviewed a Ted Bundy survivor earlier this season, or I guess we're in, in season nine now, but this was in season eight. And I told her, and I'll tell you that I was always so into true crime until one of my dearest friends' aunts was murdered. And so then it just became very real that these these true crime stories, I mean, now this is fiction that we're talking about here, but these true crime stories, these are people's, aunts, sisters, daughters. And so I haven't really been able to look at true crime the same way, but I still am fascinated by the genre, especially if it's fictionalized. I can I feel I can feel good about that or better about that. So that sounds something like something that's totally up my alley. And what's the name of it one more time? I have some questions for you. And the author is
1: Rebecca Mackay.
0: Okay. And listeners, as ever, we will put all of these books in the show notes. So you can just click the link and boom, there's the link to buy it right there. But um, I just wanted to remember that because I might add it to cart, like as we're talking. That's, I do this every year. I just like sit here and add to cart as you talk. So, okay,
1: good I pick. love it. solid pick. What's next? Do You want to toggle between a fiction and non, or do you want to go straight down the list, fiction and then go you on to You do none.
0: whatever you want to do, my friend. This is kind of your show, you're driving here. I'm just kind of in the passenger seat with you.
1: All right. So one of the things that I do um, is book reviewing. I don't review a ton. I review almost exclusively for book page. And um, I really love when I get an assignment for a book that I end up falling in love with. This year, one of those was Arrangements in Blue, Notes on Loving and Living Alone by Amy Key. That and this sounds book like nonfiction, is- right? You're right. Mm. It is a memoir, um, a collection of essays focused on Joni Mitchell's Blue.
0: Oh, my God. My mom would
1: love that book. Oh, my God. That might be a Christmas present for her. I was going to say, have you
0: finished your shopping? I have not started my shopping, and it's December 4th. So that is great. Okay,
1: tell me about it. So uh, the book is arranged in 10 essays. Each essay parallels a track on the album Blue. But one of the things that I love, and Blue is a brilliant album. Let's go ahead and establish mm-hmm. that up front. But I think this book is relevant regardless of your familiarity with the album. So Amy Key is a poet and her, you know, I love reading prose by poets. They do frequently bring a different sort of lyricism to the page, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, And it, so Amy Key is a single woman and she is recounting her experiences and what she expected life and love to look like based on her obsession with this album that has been really important to her since she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I loved this book and I think that's part of why I adored it. But also, you know, the way that music and really any art form can help bring us to ourselves is so powerful, I loved reading about this. And I think that um, your mom would enjoy it as well. Listeners, she's a diehard
0: Joni Mitchell fan. So that is uh, mom. Well, Christmas will be over. This will be air on, I think, December 29th. So she'll
1: already know that's definitely getting added to cart for her. Good pick. So looking back to fiction, uh, this year I pre ordered a whole bunch of books. And, you know, pre ordering is always a little bit of a gamble. You don't know if the you know, blurb copy is going to be uh, if the synopsis is going to uh, accurately portray your emotional connection to the book. Mm -hmm. But I loved the book Dear Edward by Ann Napolitano, which this year also came out this year, last year. I don't know. Anyway, it's a TV series. I feel like last year on
0: this episode, you were like, I can't wait to read that because I know we mentioned this book
1: last year. Yes. Well, I pre-ordered it and it turned out that was a spot on decision. Um, Ann Napolitano is now one of those authors so I might just need to go back and read everything. Yeah. Um, so this book is the main character is a young man who grows up in a house um, with just his parents and feels... Pretty isolated. I'm trying not to get into spoilers about like the nuances of this, Mm -hmm. but when he goes to college, he meets a woman, falls in love, and it becomes part of her family. The novel really gets into the nuances of this family of his wife and her sisters. And the, I mean, just the way that. And writes these characters they feel like friends Mm -hmm. they feel like someone who you can sit with through the best and worst of times Mm -hmm. and as you get to know them even when they make some pretty big mistakes you understand where they're coming from Mm -hmm. and I think that's the real beauty of a novel is that It's an emotional truth. It's not literally a true story, but the things that we read can help us understand other people and other perspectives. Mm -hmm. Hello Beautiful is one of those novels that just really showcases the complexity of any individual's character Mm -hmm. and a reminder that we are all more than our best and our worst
0: decisions. Okay. Again. Adding to cart. This is what happens every time I want to read. You are good at selling books, by the way. Like you should work for a publishing house as if you don't have a million other things going on. But my God, okay, you're selling
1: all of these to me. <laughs> you know, I would say, don't tell my boss. That's one of the I things know, that right? I daydream about. Don't let her about. listen to this episode. Oh, whatever. I've told my boss that that's something I daydream about. So
0: <laughs> you're selling every single one of these books. Okay, so I guess next nonfiction pick. Okay, have you ever thought much about Antarctica? And I mean, not in not in any kind of depth, but I would like to visit there. So I'd like to see all seven continents someday.
1: Well, earlier this year, one of my neighbors were on the HOA board together and he went to Antarctica. He retired at the end of last year, like last fall. Mm-hmm. He went to Antarctica. He, you know, like went on the continent and I do not know what got into him? But he decided he needed to text our HOA board videos from Antarctica as soon as he got back on the ship. Nice. And I laughed and laughed because Tony, why are you thinking of us when you're at the bottom of the world? No kidding, but, right? I mean, <laughs> quit focusing on. Oh it my gosh! The <laughs> Thank you, loved it. I was I watched those videos over and over. Well, much later in the year, one of the books that I reviewed was The Quickening, Creation and Community at the Ends of the Earth by Elizabeth Rush. She's also a past finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. Okay, so science writing is one of those things that I would not think that I would be into, except that I know myself well enough that I know I am into it. But like science just blows my mind. Okay. And when you hear science writing, it's really easy to think, wow, this is going to be a slog. This is going to feel like a textbook. The quickening is absolutely not that. So Elizabeth Rush has an opportunity to go to Antarctica, but when she gets this chance, she realizes she's going to have to choose between going to Antarctica or trying to get pregnant. You are not allowed to be pregnant on a ship to Antarctica no um the because the medical risks are so oh, yeah great. I guess that makes sense yeah but so she makes her choice she says like this is a rare opportunity I gotta go and she does um but throughout her journey she's really grappling with you know like what is she seeing in antarctica and on the way there thinking through you know the implications of climate change the science that the researchers on the boat are conducting while they are on the continent but also like the carbon footprint of getting there in the first place mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of nuance and complexity to that but in this she's also there's also a memoir element as she's a you know Sitting with her own desire to become a mother. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there just haven't been a ton of women who have gone to Antarctica. And there are even fewer women who have written books about yeah. Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah. So she beautifully weaves all of these things together. It was one of those books that as I was reading it, I was just like, holy cow, I need everyone to read this. I need to reread this. It is. Gorgeous and complex and so smart. Um, I mean, she's one of those authors that I just um, was immediately in awe of how she's able to take out some really difficult and complex concepts and pull them together in this incredibly readable uh, way. Tell us the name of it again. The Quickening by Elizabeth Rush. Okay, sold me again. Four for four. I love it. Okay, now this next one, I have to tell you how I came upon this book because this is not how I usually buy books. So, you know, I'm a really big fan of our local bookstores. I pre-order from them frequently. I wander down to them on, you know, Saturdays frequently. I love spending money in our local bookstores and I love that that booksellers are able to recommend books kind of like how I'm doing for you right now. Yes. But one Saturday I was on my regular Target run and um I had like a $10 off if you spend x amount of money one of those deals in the app and as I was coming up to check out I saw the book Tom Lake by Ann Patchett sitting near the register and it was 20 per- yes 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 yeah it was 20% off and for some reason something around the conversation of Tom Lake had made me think I I might need to read this book so I actually prefer Ann Patchett's non-fiction to her fiction but she's really known for her novels Mm -hmm. anyway I decided you know what I got 20% off I got ten dollars off I am buying this book from Target. And something like 36 hours later, I had finished this book that I bought really? at Target. Really? Loved it so much. Told my mom she had to read it. It was my mom's first audio book. It's read by Meryl Streep. My mom was like, wow, wow. this woman reading this audiobook is really good. And I was like, Yeah, mom, <laughs> she's one of the greatest living actors. Um, Wow. I've since sent, sent my copy of the book home with my sister to read. Anyway. So I'll say up front, some people really don't want to read a book that has anything to do with COVID. Mm -hmm. So if that's you, maybe don't pick this up, but I'm going to make a case for it anyway, because it's not really about COVID. The backdrop is 2020. The main character, Laura's three daughters come home to their family orchard in Michigan because it's 2020 and, you know, college not such a great place to be right now yeah anyway so they return to the family orchard a lot of the you know regular employees of the orchard are not available because hello 2020 so the family goes out into the orchard to pick the cherry trees and while they're doing this the girls ask their mom to tell them about when she dated Peter Duke a famous actor who she had had a romance with years and years earlier at a mm-hmm. theater company called Tom Lake. Mm-hmm. So, book is going between Laura telling the story of her summer at this uh, theater company in Michigan, and then coming back to the present day where she's spending this time with her family, her daughters who are growing up, and her husband who is you know like her faithful rock. Mm-hmm. So. It is one of those sort of quiet novels in a lot of ways. A domestic novel, I think, is the t- a term that is often thrown around because it's so much about these five people at their family orchard with these flashbacks to a more, more obviously exciting, more dramatic youth. It's just beautiful. Mm. I loved the reflection on family and the ways that, you know, that Laura's you know, early twenties helped shape who she became, even though she went a completely different direction. She is not an actress. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I loved this book. It is definitely going to be one of those that I reread and I keep pushing it on people, even if they're like, you know, I'm not really a big Ann Patchett fan. I'm like, go give this one a chance.
0: Love it. Love it. Okay. This is, this is maybe your best list ever, and they've all
1: been good. These are all so good. Like, I, I'm one of every last one of them. I <laughs> love it. So jumping back into nonfiction, one of the great things about local bookstores is that you get to hear from and sometimes meet authors who, A, you might already admire, but B, you might not have heard of without that bookstore's guidance. And this year, one of the best book events I attended was for Sabrina or a Mark, who is actually a close friend of one of the owners of Thank You Books, which is one of our fabulous stores here in Birmingham, Alabama. So Sabrina's book is happily a personal history with fairy tales. And it is just one of those magical collections um, that... It's almost hard to put into words. These are—it's a memoir and essays, which you might be picking up on. This is a format that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout this book, she is referencing fairy tales and drawing parallels between these fairy tales and her real life and her experience parenting, her experiencing experience as a Jewish woman who is raising black children um and you know her particular cultural environment she is a professor in the south and I mean it's just beautiful and unusual and like moved me to tears at various points it's one of those books that's really easy to pick up read a one essay and put it back down if you've got a lot going on Mm -hmm. but it is equally easy to just Rip through it and finish the whole thing in a day or two because it is so such gorgeous, thoughtful writing. Um, I'm just really grateful that this book that might not have been on my radar, if not for our local booksellers, ended up being one of my favorite reads of the year.
0: And that is why actually I think this episode will have aired by the time this one does. We are doing a special mini episode on bookstores around like the best like bookstores to put on your bucket list, like um, like Square Books in Oxford, Mississippi. Because I haven't I haven't fleshed out the list yet. This is only December fourth. But yes, go to your local bookstore. No matter where you are listening from, there is a great bookstore
1: somewhere near you. I guarantee that. I love it. It's such I mean they're so special and they make such a big difference in our reading lives. It really does. And Amazon fan. has enough money anyway. Sure do. I'm a really big fan of um, spending money in the places that you want to continue to exist. And as I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite things to do on my birthday each year is to go buy some books. Mm-hmm. So this year, one of the books that I purchased Actually, it was published on my birthday last year, coincidence, hmm. um, but was also like strongly recommended from by the bookseller Davis, who was ringing me up that day. And that is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow we by talked Gabrielle. about so that. that Mar- we Mar- talked about
0: that last year, too. I think that was also on your list of books you wanted to read.
1: Well, check that one off. It you read is, it. <laughs> I read it. It is... What, so, it's a novel about video games, and that you'll hear people saying over and over again, I don't care anything about video games, but I loved this book. And that's because it's not really about video games. Like, you know, so many of these uh, stories are really about the ways that people connect to each other. Mm-hmm. In this case, it was through video games. It's these two college friends who work together to design video games. And, um, there are some parts of the story that get a little inventive with the structure with the way that she's telling the story there's a um i don't want to give it away but there's some really nice allusions to different games of the past such as Oregon Trail um people who really oh, yeah. love video games Trail, will find that, love that yeah, people people who really love video games will find a lot to enjoy here But it has nothing to do, like, if you're not particularly into video games, I'm not. I mean, you know, I've played some over the years, but it's not like a passion by any stretch. Mm -hmm. You're still going to enjoy the way that these characters, their relationship develops over the course of 30 years. It's one of those novels that is sprawling but doesn't feel like a period piece you know sometimes it can feel like oh this is an epic and I'm now I'm going to go learn about whatever whatever it's not like that it is just really fun and accessible but also talks so much about relationship and art and that the creation of art and what art as vocation says about the creator it Gave me a lot to think on and I definitely get why so many people were so excited about this novel.
0: Yeah, that's been a buzzed about novel for sure. I've heard that mentioned by you. I've heard that mentioned by a lot of people.
1: And I will note that in my list so far, you know, we're going through my novels and the nonfiction of the year. That's the only one that was not published this year. Okay. so anyway, it's only a year and a half old but great book, strongly recommend. Okay. Um mm-hmm. now my next pick is one that will resonate with you for sure. Okay. Um because you had this author on the program earlier this year. Okay. And that is Maggie Smith and her oh, Memorial yeah. So good. So 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 good so you know this one is a little bit of a heart-wrencher um uh, yeah she you know really gained significant prominence especially for a poet whether we like it or not poets are not exactly you know famous Mm -hmm. um she generated a lot of attention several years back um with a a gut-wrenching beautiful poem that really resonated during um some tumultuous times for our nation. Um, That success did not always sit well with her husband. And in this uh, memoir, she's uh, sort of deconstructing the dissolution of their marriage. I love a memoir anyway. I tend to gravitate toward memoir, and I think all of the books on my nonfiction picks this year have some semblance of memoir. You could classify them yeah. a few ways, but definitely memoir is one of those classifications. But I also really loved that in this book, she spends so much time examining the craft of writing and storytelling and mm-hmm. poetry, um how she is telling the story. And as a writer, that's something I'm really interested in. Um, As a reader, that's also something I'm really interested in. Please tell me about how you did your work. I love that stuff. So I would recommend this particularly for people who that resonates with, but certainly for anybody, particularly people who have, you know, maybe been through a difficult dissolution of a relationship and chosen to still find beauty in the life that they're left with
0: you know what (laughs) everything in my life kind of fell apart in June and I think we had Maggie on the show in March or April it was definitely Uh before all that happened I would I and I loved the book and it touched me before all of this happened I wonder if I went back and read it might actually be a little bit too raw still to read because it's so good and so so painful but I wonder what the read would be like post June 2023 it's so good and the book is called you can make I, I'm butchering this because I'm not prepared. It's you can make this place beautiful right you could you could this make this I, I. that's what I was wondering about I was like it's either you can or you could you could make this place beautiful and she she was on the show listeners like I said I think in March or April so go back and listen to that conversation she was lovely yes
1: and then we're going to stay in nonfiction for a minute and talk about another former guest of yours, Margaret Rankle. I, you know, it warms my heart so much to hear you say things
0: like that. Like another former guest of yours, two, two of them are on your best books list. That makes me so happy. Let's keep bringing on the greats to this show, starting with Carl
1: and Willie. Oh well, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> um, But yeah, so this year, Margaret's latest book was came out The Comfort of Crows a Backyard Year. And of course, Rachel, you and I got to hear Margaret speak about this at another one of our local bookstores little professor here in Birmingham, Alabama, I went
0: home and read that and that is actually the rare exception of a book that I did not read for work that was
1: amazing. So I, I second this recommendation. Well, I'm getting excited for my first reread of The Comfort of Crows. The You're already rereading structure.
0: it? Wow, it just came out like less than two months ago, I think.
1: Yeah, well, stick with me here. Um, the way it's structured is that there is an, it's 52 essays that take us through the year starting in the winter. So I'm planning to reread it starting the first week of winter because Mm. these essays are, you know, as Margaret is known for, they offer personal reflections on nature, um, particularly though not exclusively from the vantage point of her yard in Nashville, Tennessee. And Margaret has such a gift for examining the natural world and that making that accessible, no matter where you are, you know, sometimes we think, oh, nature writers are going to be like, you know, out gallivanting through the national parks and traveling to these far off places like Antarctica. Um, but we can engage with the, the natural world from the, you know, the comfort of our own homes, from our own yards, or, you know, I spend a lot of time sitting on my balcony reading. I live in a condo. Um and observing the birds and the plant life around me. So another thing that makes this book really special, though, is that in addition to 52 essays and then these little short, what she's called, praise songs, shorter pieces that are, you know, sometimes just a paragraph or two. Um, we've also got 52 pieces of art by her brother, Billy. The Randall. art is incredible. It is just st- Donee. One okay. of my goals is to eventually purchase myself a piece of Billy's. I just think his work is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, so, and it elevates
1: the book to another level. Oh, I would say one hundred percent. I think that the relationship between these siblings, um, him creating visual art and her creating this written art, and the way that they play off of each other is really special, and it's such a treat to get to um you know to spend you know 25 30 dollars for a book and I get to take these 52 pieces of art home with me yeah yeah Uh, I'm obsessed so I'm looking forward to this year reading it like a devotional it's basically structured like a devotional with one chapter per week um so come the um winter solstice I'm going to be jumping right back into the comfort of crows I think I should do that as well I'll join you in that well, that be fun. Love it. So I wanted to briefly share what my big rereads of the year were. Um, yes. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this necessarily, but because we talked so much about, you know, the like sort of down reading years we've had. I keep a shelf of my favorite books, the books that I can turn to again and again and find a lot of comfort in. And I actually started the year with one of those because I gave a copy to my nephew, my eldest nephew, for Christmas last year. And that is Frindle by Andrew Clements. Um, okay. We don't don't spend a lot of time here talking about kids' books, do we? We,
0: I don't think we ever talk about kids books have we ever had a kids book author on the show I don't think so not exclusively like they might have done a kids book but it wasn't why
1: they were on the show well I love this book in a nutshell not opposed by the way to kids books totally into it just hasn't happened yet well maybe see if Andrew Clements has it got anything going on so In this book, Nick is the main character and he is having some trouble in school and he decides to challenge his teacher one day. Basically, he's cutting up. He doesn't want the the lesson to move on. They're talking about the dictionary and he challenges her about like, okay, but who decides what goes in the dictionary? She tells him to write an essay about, you know, about this and he learns, okay, about the process. And decides to be a little bit of a smart aleck. A pen is no longer called a pen. He's going to call it a friendle. So he gets his classmates in on this. And it becomes a trend throughout his town. And his teacher is pushing back on him about it. And it just becomes this really big deal. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a spoiler. This book is almost 30 years old. So if you don't want the ending spoiled, then (laughs) skip ahead 30 seconds. But basically in the epilogue, we find out that this was sort of his teacher's grand plan all along. She sends him a copy of a new dictionary that was updated with new words, including the word friendle. And um, basically she, she taught him a lesson about rallying around people and how words are defined. And then just it's all this like really interesting clever clever book that was so much fun to reread with my uh, um a nephew who was nine years old that's awesome
0: yeah you know you've got my wheels turning I would love to have a children's book author on here that's neither yeah. you nor there for this conversation but some children's books are great like they're really really good like
1: even for adults yeah oh yeah 100% and I will tell you I've looked it up and you can't have Andrew on the show he died in 2019 oh that'll um, do it but- that'll do it but look up his work; he has some great books. When you said this,
0: other... when you said this has been out for thirty years, I was like, "Oh, I hope I can get him on the
1: show." But rest in peace, sir. Yes. Um. Another one of my rereads this year was also a children's favorite, The Giver by Lois Lowry. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That's one that I try to reread every year around September fourteenth because it was my sister's uh, favorite book, and that was her birthday. Okay. Um so if you don't know the giver let's not talk about it just go pick it up. Just go Yeah, read just it. go read I read it. It. I
0: read that too.
1: I I second this recommendation. I read it for the first time in 2015 or 2016 and I was like hello what was I missing out on all these years? Have you seen the movie? Uh, no. I have not
0: seen it either um it, I know it has yeah. Taylor, I know it has Taylor Swift in it um I've, which you love I've Taylor heard. Swift I also love Taylor Swift so maybe we should see it but yeah I haven't seen the movie yet but it's also a movie I've heard that it's terrible but I haven't seen it I haven't seen um it but read the book read the book before movie always is my my general
1: rule absolutely um Another favorite that I revisited this year is Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Have you read that one? I have not. Mm-mm. But guess so what? It, oh, it, this, is
0: a, this is a side note. We are having um, Anne Lamott's husband on the show in January. Oh, that, that'll be fun.
1: It was a great, we've already recorded it. It was a great episode. Excellent. Well, I'll look forward to that. Yeah. Well, anyway, Bird by Bird is one of my favorite books about writing and I first read it probably 10 or 15 years ago, and it held up. So if you are ever a little down on your writing practice, it's a great one to turn to for a little reinvigoration. Love it. I'm always Um, looking for reinvigoration. Yeah, go get it. Um, This was also kind of the year of the ands. You know, I had two ands on my favorite Mm -hmm. fiction of the year. Two of the best ands at that. Yeah, well, and I've got two of the best Anne's on my favorite rereads. I also reread "This Is the Story of a Happy Marriage" by Anne Patchett. Okay. Um, I mentioned that I love her nonfiction. "This Is the Story of a Happy Marriage" is an essay collection, and it is fantastic. Again, one of those things that's so wonderful to turn to when you are in a reading lull. Mm. Love it. Um, Anne Patchett.
0: Love Anne Lamott good good picks all around
1: and then now I'm trying to remember Rachel do you happen to have in front of you what my best books were last year no but I can pull up the show
0: notes and tell you give me just a second
1: because I reread a couple of books this year that I'm wondering if they might have been on my list last year yep okay so I love rereading, and sometimes it doesn't take very long for me to return to a book. Last year, when we talked about my top picks of 2022, I probably told you that when I read This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub, I quickly thought, okay, as soon as this is out in paperback, I'm going to buy this. Mm -hmm. I need this book. Well, it came out in paperback. I went and bought it. I think it was actually one of my birthday books this year. I reread it and it is at least as good on reread. Mm. I love this book and it is one that I will be pushing on people at every opportunity for probably years and years to come. Um, but then another one of my um, favorite books from last year was Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro.
0: Everybody loved I, that book. Yeah. You love that book. I remember you talking about it.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I love Danny Shapiro. I'm starting to think I just need to read everything that she has published. I love her fiction, or this is the only fiction I've read, but I loved it. I've loved several of her memoirs. And a couple months ago, I was like, you know, I want to revisit Signal Fires. So um, I'm not going to delve deeply into either of those. We talked about them both last year, but those are two wonderful novels that I strongly recommend. And you know they're good if you've already reread
0: both of them and it hasn't even been a year since we dropped the last episode when you read them for the first time. That's the mark of right. a good book. So,
1: and I did not actually realize that until we went to talk about it. So here we go. Yep. Yeah. Um, But let's okay. So, those are my 15 highlights from the year. I, you know, I said
0: 15 ever. That was so fast. Okay. Well, we're going to put all of this in the show notes, listeners. I'm buying all of them and give and gifting some of them. And that was there one that stood out among the crowd as like your number one, or is that too hard to choose?
1: Probably. Probably The Quickening by Elizabeth Rush. That was the one that just astounded me. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, different books, different strengths, but that was one of those that I was like, just kept thinking not everyone can do this. Mm-hmm. I would like to argue that, you know, every author is writing a book that only they could write. But sure. traveling to Antarctica, writing this particular, at this particular moment in time where she's, you know, torn between, becoming a mother and uh, doing this amazing job like that's a really specific experience right. and it was I mean I was just enraptured by it well
0: listeners add all of those to cart and I'm wondering if there's any books that you are particularly
1: looking forward to for 2024 well I was going to ask you that yeah uh, yeah, I so
0: mean, I'd have to think about it because I'm coming
1: in unprepared on that side. But you, you, you tell me. Let me think about that. I've got some notes. Um, so you might remember last year one of the books that I just went wild over was "We All Want Impossible Things" by Katherine yeah, Newman. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's one of those books that I reread pretty much immediately I was reviewing it and I was like I'm sorry I can't take notes I just have to read this entire book today mm-hmm. um so I reread it pretty quickly for review and I heard a few months ago that she has a new novel coming out next year called Sandwich so what did I do I just immediately bought the book mm-hmm. I don't really care what it's about um <laughs> but from what I am reading it is partly about, a woman who has always looked forward to her family's trip to Cape Cod. Um, but this particular year is really interesting for her because she is feeling sandwiched between her children and her parents, you know, and, you know, you hear all the time about that caregiving being between generations. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have kids, so I don't totally relate to the caregiving for children. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, this year my mom had a relatively major surgery. She had a knee replacement. And I definitely experienced some of that caregiving firsthand. Given how masterfully Catherine Newman wrote about the experience of grief um, in We we All Want Impossible Things, I'm really curious to see how she writes about Mm -hmm. this, you know, really common experience of being sort of the sandwich generation. I love that. Okay. That's, that's definitely, what is, what is the author's name again? Catherine Newman. Catherine Newman. Okay. Got it. Anything else? Well, yeah. I mean, I have a list of eight. How many do you want me to go into? <laughs> I want you to go into eight. If you have eight, you're okay. all of them. I'll give you high level on most of them. Um, okay. Actually earlier today, I finished reading After Annie by Anna Quinlan. Mm-hmm. Um, which comes out in March. I have a, read a lot of Anna Quinlan over the years, both fiction and nonfiction. And it, she's just a fantastic writer. In this book, um, Annie Brown has died suddenly. She's in her late 30s, married with four children, and a best friend who is more like a sister to her. So we spend the novel with the people who were left behind, watching and living with alongside them as they process their grief and figure out how to move forward while not letting go of her memory. Mm. You know, I'm kind of a sucker for a grief story. um, So that's not any surprise, I don't suppose. But it is... I mean, it's beautiful. It's tough subject matter. I finished it this morning, so I'm still kind of processing mm-hmm. my thoughts about it. But definitely one to look for in okay. the spring of this year. Nice. Yeah. Um, up next, I'll be reading Grief is for People by Sloan Crosley. Let's just go ahead and focus on the grief up front, right? I was going to say, gosh, you—well, you, this was, so your list this year was much
0: less grief heavy than it was last year, because I think like most of them were about grief, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm, you know, in a season of grief myself, so there's nothing wrong about reading books about grief, but
1: um, you know what? If you like it, you like it. Yeah. I mean, I think both help us process what's Mm -hmm. happening in our
0: lives
1: so they can be tools so I have this one I haven't started reading it yet a couple pages but grief is for people by Sloane Crosley is a memoir um you might recognize Sloane Crosley's name from some essay collections she's written. I'd be told there would be I was told there would be cake for example okay um she's also a novelist cult classic is I think her most recent novel but in this memoir, um, she's writing about two key experiences: one, her apartment being broken into, mm-hmm. and then one month later, one of her closest friends um, dies by suicide. Mm-hmm. So she's uh, ex- working through, you know, these two different types of grief, and of course, you know, there's this whole like pandemic in the background. Oh yeah, um, that thing. Yeah. So grief is a universal experience, even if these exact experiences, the details may not be universal. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested to see how she processes this. And, you know, as someone who has also written a lot of humor, um, I don't think this is a funny book per se. I haven't read it yet. So, you know, TD, not funny in the way that she's known for at least, but Dark humor can help us get through things. Yeah, no doubt. Um, this is a, by the way, a nonfiction heavy list, so you might find a lot to love. You're at
0: home here. You know, this show is all about that, so
1: no worries. Go for it. Um, I'm also looking forward to the Last Fire season by Angela Martin, who. Um, I actually know her work because years ago she ran a online magazine called Scratch. It was about making money for writing. Okay. Um. So, it's great. There is a um, a collection that came out of that. I will talk to you more about that later. But Google it, people. Okay. It's good if you're into like writing and also you like getting paid to be to write. Mm. Some really good content. Yeah. anyway and she actually like we have corresponded a little bit over the years because I'd asked her to speak to one of my classes anyway but I don't really know this woman it's just she's been on my radar for a long time mm-hmm. but her memoir the last fire season is coming out I think in January and it is exploring the wildfires in northern California um and just, you know, memoir, her life set against these fires, natural history, all of these things sort of coalescing at this moment in in time. So can't wait to read that. I really love memoir, I really love nature, really love, you know, one of the blurbs I'm looking at just talks about the literary inquiry. Um And I just think she's a super smart writer. So I can't wait to get my hands on this. I've tried. I have not gotten it yet. Mm -hmm. So Nice. I'll be lining up at my local bookstore. Um, So long as we're just going to keep rolling with a lot of memoir. um, Splinters, Mm -hmm. another kind of love story by Leslie Jameson. Are you familiar with Leslie Jameson? I'm not. Okay. So she's one of those uh, writers who definitely has something of a following. Um, she wrote a collection years ago called The Empathy Exams that generated mm-hmm. a lot of attention. Um, I've got a book actually sitting within arm's reach of me called The Recovering, which is about addiction. Um, haven't read it yet, but it is, um, I was gonna say it's high on my to read list, but whatever we're not gonna get into the nuances of tbrs anyway mm-hmm. it's sitting within arm's reach right now because mm-hmm. that's something i'm very interested in so but this is her first memoir and she's writing about you know the intimate relationships of her life her relationship with her daughter um her marriage which if i believe ended in divorce and then just like all of the experiences of being a woman and her particular experience of being a woman. Mm. So yeah, bring it on. Sounds I like I should am, be reading her. So that's gonna be added to list as well. Yeah. And she's another one of those where who's just like super sharp, really smart, and um I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on her work. I will let you know, can I sneak my fiction and
0: nonfiction pick in here really quickly before yeah. I get to do that? So I have not uh, prepared to answer this. I'm just, this is just off the top of my head, but one of my favorite fiction authors, in fact, I mentioned her 2022 book on the show last year, um, Emily Giffen, I love her every time she has a book, she has a book come out about every two years. And every time that day comes, I get the book and I read it that day. And then I have to wait another two years. She has a book coming out. In 2024, I believe. And then Sophie Trudeau, who is the I mean, she and Justin Trudeau are separated now, but um former first lady of Canada. I guess she still is because they're not divorced to my knowledge. But anyway, she has a memoir coming out in April, and I'm dying to read that. It's gonna be good. Nice. Very so nice. So
1: that's my
0: that's my paltry list compared to yours, but those are two <laughs> that are on my radar that I'm in particular looking forward to.
1: Nice. I just have a a few quick uh, additions. Do it, do it, do it. So this one, the title comes from an essay that apparently got a lot of attention years ago. I did not hear about it until I saw the book, but it's called "If You Can't Take the Heat: Tales of Food, Feminism, and Fury" Mm. by Geraldine de Ruder. Um, am I mispronouncing her last name? But um. Yeah, tell me tell me about feminism and food yeah. and how we are exploring the relationships between these. I'm really curious about this. So, and I do recommend googling the essay if you can't take the heat. I I read it after I heard about this collection and oh yeah, my curiosity it has peaked. What
0: is the general overview of the essay?
1: So, you know, during the Me Too movement, which I guess is an ongoing thing, maybe? I don't know. It's I definitely think it's still a lifelong happens. thing, probably. Yeah, whether it's a movement or not, we know that it still happens. Uh-huh. Anyway, so celebrity chef Mario Batali sent a letter apologizing for sexual harassment allegations um, that were made, and he included a recipe with that letter. What? What? Yeah, I don't remember this happening at all. Again, I'm just I learning about this from this book. There were, you know, there were a lot of things that were happening then. Anyway, but Geraldine decided to make this recipe. And the essay is about her experience and just sort of the thought process that she's making these cinnamon what rolls. What kind of recipe
0: do you include with... Uh, anyway, I'll have to read the essay.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. So look it up. Um, I think you'll i think you'll where was it published say. where was the essay published do you remember? i think it was in her blog okay. um okay. But yeah go- google it it won't take you three okay. seconds okay um so two more books that have piqued my curiosity as we look into next year um 12 trees the deep roots of our future by daniel lewis mm-hmm. i do spend a lot of time thinking about trees and climate change and this book, you know, kind of digs into all a variety of subjects related to that in a human history. I'm also told that it's like a like surprisingly easy read. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, bring it on. Although I will admit I spend way too much time like lying in bed at, at night thinking about climate change. So I'm going to proceed with caution, but I love to learn. So let's do it. Lifelong learner. I love it. Yes. And then finally another that has piqued my curiosity, and I will confess I've not read this author's um most recent novel. Um but I'm really looking forward to um Pita De Monte Laughs Last, which is by I promise I'm going to butcher the pronunciation and I'm sorry <laughs> for that. Um Zoe Zocatil Gonzalez this is the same author who wrote Olga Dies Dreaming which was published in 2021 really well received I've been sleeping on it but okay this is one more reason to go back and read a book that I missed when it was new so Anita DeMonte laughs Last is a, about set in 1985 um well sort of the The instigating event is 1985 when this rising artist is found dead and her death is just like the buzz of the town but then the bulk of the book it looks like is set in 1998 and the conceit is that an art third-year art history student is working on a thesis and um has you know turns back to this story to this death um and digs into okay so what does this say about the art world so there it looks like there's going to be some good themes of um you know people of color being in the minority working harder for to get the same opportunities like real world problems um I'm really excited to read this novel I love novels set in the art world and I love hearing from perspectives that are not my own I am neither an artist nor a person of color. And I think, you know, as I said earlier, one of the great things that reading can teach us is about experiences unlike our own. So oh, that's the number one chief.
0: One that's the number one chief thing that I use reading for is to yeah. experience life that I've never experienced.
1: Yeah, so this is going to be a good one.
0: Well, that was fantastic. I think that was my favorite of the three. It just keeps getting better year to year. So is there anything else that you'd like to add for the good of the order that we've inadvertently left out?
1: Um, If you've got great book recommendations, you should probably send them to us. Yeah, absolutely. And Rachel, are you on Goodreads?
0: I'm not on Goodreads. Can you believe that? I don't track my books. And I feel like I, I can't remember this, but I feel like I said last year that I wanted to start doing it and then I didn't but really I mean I guess you can track what I've been reading based off of the, the show so um, but I did right. I I, as I sit here thinking I did read like I read Spare of course by Prince Harry I read Britney Spears memoir but again those were both also f- for work so um, that's a goal of mine hold me to this listeners and Carla Jean is to just read purely for fun in 2024.
1: It is a gift Um, it well is. Y'all can find me on Goodreads um, where I'm obsessively tracking what I read. You can also find me on Storygraph where I am forgetting to update what I'm reading, but we'll come back in before the end of the year every year because I like the data that Storygraph offers. Um, but yeah, that's that would be my final call out is y'all send on the recommendations because yeah. I want them.
0: Love it. And do they just find you? I'm not on Goodreads, so I don't know. Do they just find you on Goodreads? Do they just type in your name, Carla
1: Jean Whitley? Yes, I will admit that sometimes people have some trouble finding me because I have also published books, so... Sometimes it's easier to find my author page than it is to find me. I don't really know how to help you with that. Good luck. And if you add me, then I will add you back.
0: (laughs) And Godspeed. And yes, we talked about her books in last year's episode. So listeners, go back and listen to that if you want a primer on all of her work. And thank you so much for being here today. This is, again, one of my favorite parts of the end of the year. And happy 2024 to you, Carla Jean, first of all, and all of you listeners and Look, may it be calmer and more peaceful and filled with more good books than we can stand. And we've got certainly a running start with Carla Jean and all of her picks on this episode. So I have been plugging this all month, listeners, but I'm so excited to kick off the January Wellness Series on the show next week. You are going to... Love it. It's going to be about physical wellness and mental wellness. And thank you again to the lovely Carla Jean Whitley, who is just one of my best friends and one of the best people I know. And the wellness series listeners will kick off on January 1st. And anything else that you'd like to close out with, my friend. I think that's it. Y'all keep reading. Yes, keep reading, and we'll be back here, God willing, in a year for the best books of 2024. Happy New Year, listeners. Happy New Year.